Welcome to episode 79 of Telepractice Today with Kim Dutro-Allen and Dr. Todd Houston. Hey, welcome back to another episode. Um, We hope by now everyone has finished this season of the year, but for me, it is progress report time right before Thanksgiving every time. And I've been thinking about what, um, what I can do to make my progress reports better and, you know, kind of like show parents what we're doing. And especially on telepractice, I feel like they have like a disconnect of what that looks like when they do it and what I'm working on. So, um, in thinking about that, I got a email from Kristen at Kiwi speech and it's like, she was reading my mind because she talked about, uh, kind of her format of how she writes progress reports and make sure that she tells parents about the data. Um, and then kind of the, like how we got to that point, are you helping them do that? Are, are you teaching them strategies? Do you want to tell a parent, you know, something that works well so they can do it at home? Like I had a student that we just barely figured out that the reason he cannot say an S sound is because he drops his jaw down. His tongue's in the right spot. His jaw's not. And so in my progress report, I made sure to put that in so parents know and they can remind them of that at home. But she had a really nice template. If you sign up for her newsletter, you can get it too. So she just talked about that. You say so far this year, this student has been working on the goals of independently. They can do it this much. Um, During a session, we have been working towards the skill by, and then she put it in. And then it says, when we do this, the student, you know, gets better, gets worse when we do certain things and we will continue to work on this goal by doing blank. So I love anything that I can find like that, that just like makes my day of, you know, um, working on like 50, I have, I think I have 30 this semester <laughs> progress nice. reports makes that go faster. Anything that can do that for you is, is a great thing to use. So, um, I hope that helps somebody to think of that format. Yeah. I, I don't have to do progress reports. I have to do notes every, after every session, but I don't <laughs> have to do progress reports. So I, I don't miss those days of right? having to do all those the school SLPs. And I will say I am forever grateful for, um, any kind of data collection, you know, thing that, um, can help me with that. So like I've been using, I've talked about SLP toolkit and it was so easy to pull things up and just be like, Hey, not only can I just like give you this little thing where I tell you what I've been doing, I can send you the data for the whole entire trimester and show you (laughs) what we've been doing. Um, and, you know, put it in charts and things like that. So uh, anything like that can be really helpful too. Yeah. Anything that makes it simpler and easier to do. Right. And it's all, you know, digital. So Mm -hmm. it's, it works even better, you know, and Mm -hmm. and with your sessions. Yep. So on the podcast today, we have someone that's a little different. Tasha Holmes. So Tasha is an occupational therapist and she's joining us uh, who's she's been doing telepractice uh, for presence learning and she's joining us to talk to us about occupational therapy and some of the things that she does, but also how it kind of intersects with what 
speech language pathologists do and some tips mm-hmm. there. So I'm looking forward to, to hearing what she has to say. Hi, it's Todd Houston. I just wanted to reach out to you, our really talented, wonderful listeners that we have, and just ask you if you want to join us. Yes. Would you like to be a content creator for the 3C Digital Media Network? We need you. We need content creators to come and join us. So if you have a blog, a webinar, a course, or maybe even a podcast that you'd like to do, we would love to speak with you. So please, if you have some ideas, email me at Todd, T-O-D-D, at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I'll reach out, and we can have a conversation. And so hopefully we could have you develop whatever you'd like to develop and work with us. Again, Todd at 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, and I will be in touch. Now, back to the interview. So, Tasha, welcome to the podcast. Can you share a more, a little bit more about your professional background? Absolutely. So um, I am an occupational therapist. Um, I've been an occupational therapist um, for almost, um, I think, about uh, almost 18 years at this point. I spend a lot of time in different settings. So I've worked in skilled nursing facilities, um, school-based therapy. I've done home-based therapy for pediatrics. Um, I've also taught um, in an occupational therapy assistant program. Um, So I do have a pretty well-rounded career behind me in terms of what I've done um, in the past for occupational therapy. A few years ago, I switched over from being on-site and working with students to doing telepractice. So it was a pleasure to do that. Um, I did that for six years. And then um, last year, I actually took a position where I was a clinical account manager and a clinical outreach manager, and um, I helped to assist other teletherapists um, for the company that I work for, Presence Learning, um, with, you know, just day-to-day things that they needed to support their therapy services. And currently, I am a clinical quality and resource manager for Presence Learning. So um, I love that I still get to be very heavily involved in seeing um, OTs and speech therapists and behavior mental health providers face-to-face to help assist them um, you know, and support them with providing teletherapy services. Great. So um, I think we, speech, I know how to do online. I'm like, (laughs) most of it is talking anyways. Like I, I get that. I know how to do that. Even for me, occupational therapy has been like, how would you do that online? <laughs> so, so tell us, enlighten us. How, how does that work over telepractice? 
So I always like to say that when I saw the advertisement for presence learning, I actually pursued presence learning um, because I was curious <laughs> and I stayed because I was like, wow, this is really effective. Um, so it is definitely something really hard to wrap your head around in terms of OT and teletherapy services. Um, a lot of times we are doing things on the teletherapy screen. Um, we're, you know, demonstrating things for our students. So you could think of um, our platform that we use kind of like what we would use on the ground as a smart board. And I may be drawing on it to demonstrate stuff for the students and then having the students do a return demonstration for me um, on that same platform where, you know, they're seeing what I'm doing and I'm seeing what they're doing. Um, however, I'm also having them do things in real life. Because in terms of OT, um, our bread and butter is really having those students or having children touch things and manipulate them and to improve their skills by actually doing real life activities. And so when we're doing OT um, through teletherapy, uh, we're using our platforms as a medium to provide those visual cues, those verbal cues. But on the other end, we may have a person, um, an adult or maybe an older sibling that can be responsible for that session, they're going to give those, those tactile cues. So they're going to be our hands. And, you know, if we need to adjust the body part and verbal and visual cues aren't getting the job done, then we have that adult there that's helping to um, provide those cues for that student um, or gathering the materials for that student. And so we're really using it um, as a hybrid model where um, we're using, we're getting like the best of both worlds. We're getting that technological engagement, but we're also getting that real-time access. So if the mm -hmm. student needs to work on cutting, we're working on those foundational skills um, at you know, home, if the student's receiving services there, or if the child's receiving services at the school, they're doing it with real scissors. Um, they're doing it with real things that are in their real environment, and we're doing it on our end. And so we're, you know, working together to do those different types of activities. Um, but a lot of on-screen things happen too, word searches, mazes, working on typing, um, you know, working on talk to text, which I'm sure you, you know, know about Kim. If we have a student who's really having difficulty with handwriting and they're in middle school, then talk to text might be the way to go. So then we're working on having the student actually use their computer skills to be able to open up the program and to utilize the program. So the same as what we would do if we were on site. Um, in terms of assessments, we're doing the same type of thing where um, we are still having that student complete those activities in real time. I'm taking a look at handwriting, just like I would do if I was across the table from the student. Um, I'm presenting things on the screen, just as I would if I was on site, having my student copy those different types of items. Um, you know, sh interacting, showing videos. Um, there's a particular video that I love where it's a video game video. And so together we can run and we both jump and then we both duck and we're doing these things together and we're having a real good time. And it's just like we're FaceTiming grandma, maybe grandma's playing with us and we're, you know, we're having a really good time there. So um, definitely it's really, you know, important for us as OTs. We're still doing a lot of things that are live based. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like it's necessary to have any like extra equipment, not just, 
you know, your regular built-in or webcam, but like a document cam or things like that? Do you suggest OTs have any of that? So the really nice thing for OTs to have would be a camera that shows the desktop. So it doesn't necessarily have to be a document camera. Um, I always used a um, an external camera, just a simple webcam that could be angled towards, it could be put on top of my laptop and angled towards my keyboard. And that way my student could see exactly where my fingers are when I'm typing. Um, the same with the student, the student, um, external camera that they have um, focused towards their desktop. So that way I'm able to see, okay, so this is what you're writing. You know, do we need to adjust the pencil grasp? Do we need to adjust where the elbows positioned when they're cutting? Um, do I need to give more visual and verbal cues for how to form that letter? So certainly um, having an external camera is certainly um, very beneficial. Of course, you know, when the pandemic hit and all the cameras disappeared or they were $30 one day and then they were $100 the next day. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. We ODTs were adaptive. So, you know, that's where you get um, kind of, uh, you know, you just put your brain to work and you're like, hey, um, get two books put your laptop on those two books. So it's elevated and then angle your laptop down towards the table a little bit. So that way you still see the student's hands, but they can still see what's going on on the screen. Yeah. I saw a lot of people too get the Osmo and and use that, that it's, it's made for um, your, your iPad to play iPad games. But I saw a lot of people suggesting using that as like kind of a document camera. Yes, my kids were not happy with that because I had (laughs) taking the iPad, you know, so yeah, they, you know, my kids said they were doing, um, you know, the online schooling and I'm like, okay, I can take the iPad so your teacher can see your desk. And, you know, they're kind of like, that's not what an iPad for. That's for fun. (laughs) Not for my teacher to see my hands. And then for me, you know, using the platform that Presence Learning has, because the camera is always already built in and you don't need the hack, um, you know, I just could plug in my external camera and be able to show um, what I needed to show on my desktop and, you know, let my kids have the iPad for their classes because they were, uh, I think they were using Google Meets. So I was like, okay, we're going to hack this system. Your teacher's going to be able to see your hands. (laughs) Yeah. So Kim has experience with the presence learning platform. I I don't, unfortunately. Um, But the Therapy Essentials platform is now going to be made available to the public, so to speak, uh, those clinicians who are looking for a solution. How does does that uh, Therapy Essentials platform, what would you say would be the best recommendation or best reason why an OT might con- should consider presence learnings platform versus doing something else. Oh, absolutely. I have tons of reasons. <laughs> <laughs> so one of those would be the fact that you don't need a hack for the second camera. And that really eliminates trying to figure out how to position things. So that way they're easier to be seen um, with the Osmo using that it actually, depending on the way you angle it, it doesn't show it on the screen um, in a necessarily readable fashion because it mirrors Mm -hmm. things. So, um, or it might turn things upside down depending on how you have it positioned. So with um, the presence learning um, teletherapy essentials platform, it's a plug and play. 
you plug it in and you angle your camera to where you want to see it. And once it pops up on the screen, you have the ability to mirror it yourself, to rotate it yourself. Um, you can even hide your student's camera. So I used to always yeah. tease my kids that, hey, if it's in compact mode, which is the small mode where our whiteboard is bigger, that's the TV screen. But I'm going to make you a movie star. And that would be a large grid where I could see, mm -hmm. you know, the student's face is taking up the whole screen. And then they're like, oh, I'm so cute. And I'm looking at myself. <laughs> and now I'm like, okay, no, you're distracted. And I need you to do work. You can turn that off. You can hide the student's camera. They see a silhouette. They're not distracted. You can still see what they're doing. Um, and then also it has a lot of different functions to work on different goals. So we do have games that are embedded into the platform. You can pull those out. You can layer those with what we call widgets. So other timers and, um, you know, different types of dice. And so you can really layer activities in order to make them functional towards the student's goals. Um, you can help behavior manage using all of the tools on the platform. There's typing abilities. There's writing abilities. Um, so it really lends itself to a wide variety um, of client population, in addition to being able to let you pop in and out of things, you know, very easily. So I know that if you do use, you know, perhaps another platform, you're piecemealing, you're piecing things together. Okay. So I have my timer opened on my tab and then I have this game opened on this tab and this on this tab. Whereas with presence learning platform, I'd like to think of it like a briefcase. You open up your briefcase, everything's in your briefcase. You just, you know, go through those file folders, pull out what you need, and then you shut your briefcase at the end of the day versus I have my briefcase and my travel bag and my purse and my book bag. And yeah, I got it all here, but oh, it's in one of these bags somewhere. So right. that's <laughs> totally. I like that analogy that that made sense to me. <laughs> yes. When you've got all those bags and you're carrying them, it's like, well, it's great. You have it all there, but wouldn't it be nice if it's just, you know, in one little bag. And so that's what the um, presence learning platform is. It's a briefcase. It has everything you need for work and it's really portable because my therapy room is in my computer. So if I come to your house mm -hmm. and I sign into my therapy room, all of my things are there. If I'm at my house, my things are still there. So I'm not um, trying to remember what did I have bookmarked on my computer for pulling up a spinner for, I don't have to worry about it. It's all, it lives in my, you know, lives in my platform. Um, and the other nice thing is too, I don't know how some of your listeners are, but I would get on Pinterest and I would be down that rabbit hole and two hours later still hadn't found the thing that I was looking for, but I found 20 <laughs> other worksheets. <laughs> so in the presence learning platform, you know, with the platform comes activities. So we already have a library. It has activities there. It will keep you off of Pinterest or out of those other <laughs> websites. So you can actually get your work done. You can just right, right from those curated lists, stick it in your queue. It's there. You're not tempted to, you know, be off task. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is, it kind of like works like a Pinterest board that you have like different, you know, folders that you can have. And, but it's, so searchable. It's like, you can narrow it down by the kind of activity you want, the age you want, um, the topic that you want. And so it is better than just like going out on Google and trying to find something. <laughs> yes. I totally agree with you. Yep. 
Yeah, I've, I've been add, down that rabbit hole too. <laughs> you can add your own stuff too, right? And and save, save absolutely. Yeah, you can add your own stuff. So let's say you had a teacher who said, "We're working on this worksheet." You know, this student's having a really hard time with this. They can email the worksheet to you. You pop it into the library and then pull it into your queue. And you have it right there and you can pull up that exact same worksheet that that student was working on. And then you can let the teacher know, hey, you know what? When I blocked off half of that worksheet, he was able to attend to it better. Or when I drew an extra line, he was able to, you know, put those uh, words in there, place those letters correctly. Um, Or you can even have the student bring their worksheet and you have it on the screen and you're working on it together. So you can give those visual cues. It sounds wonderful to me, and I, I've never touched it. So, so I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to get access, and Kim's gonna have to show me some things on it because I, I really want to see it and and play around with it a little bit. Um, so Kim's gonna have to do a screen share one day and, and let me be the student, and she works with me to help me talk better. <laughs> I think almost every single one of my um, nieces, nephews, and kids have had to do that at some point so I can try things out. <laughs> yeah, my kids used to tell people that I play I play with kids for a living. And I'm like, yeah, it's kind of true. but yeah. <laughs> we, we get that a lot. <laughs> we all do. But I was thinking about when you're talking about, um, you know, using the person that's there in person, it's not unlike when we as SLPs work with someone who's younger and we don't expect them to pay attention to the screen. We want someone there that's providing the like real experiences for them and, um, you know, that we're just coaching through that. So I, I liked when you, when you described it like that, I was like, oh, I know how to do that. I I've done parent coaching that, that works. And so it's similar in that way. Absolutely. And, you know, and I find those kids who run away from the computer or probably the kids who were going to run away in the therapy room when I was there anyway. Right. So, you know, we certainly don't have the expectation that, Hey, you have to sit in front of this computer and get your OT. And that's the only way you can get your OT. Um, if I have a runner or if I have a kiddo a who's runner. all over the place, <laughs> I'm like, yes. after that first session, we're making a plan. So I'm like, okay, Hey, listen, this is what we're going to do. When he, when he runs off next time, wheelbarrow walk him back. Or, you know, I've had parents where I'm like, Hey, let's do this. So put him on his tummy. We're going to work with him propped up on his elbows because every time he tries to get up to run, he's giving himself proprioceptive input. So like I'm getting my way and he's getting his way and he's pushing right up and he's running away. They're wheelbarrow walking him back, putting him back on the floor. (laughs) We're in front of the computer. He's pushing himself up. He's running. I'm like, Hey, this is what we're doing. And then eventually we stay in front of the computer longer. We get more work done because we're getting that proprioceptive input. Or um, I've had parents where I said, Hey, hook the laptop up to your TV because the kids love TV. And if I'm on TV, they're paying attention. So they're running around the room, but they can hear and see what I'm saying. And so, you know, we work on structuring it. So that way, okay, they're stopping. We angle the computer so I can see them through the laptop. They're looking at me on the TV and we're working that way. So maybe we're working on the table that's a little bit further away I can see them, give them the cues, but they're watching from the TV screen. So they like it a little bit more that way. 
or we're trying to figure out, I'm like, hey, if you push the table back, um, they can go all the way back to that table and then I'm not able to see them. So then we know, hey, your boundaries are, you know, from this table to that table. So that way I'm still able to see them and we can work on it um, that way too. So that way the child still has, you know, room to move, but we're still making it, um, you know, still structuring the environment. So that way we're working on their therapeutic goals. I like that. You could even use like maybe some painter's tape on the carpet. <laughs> this is your zone where I can still see you. <laughs> you know, what? we actually go. did that at one of the schools. We had a little square and the child would run and they'd sit in the square because they knew that if they were in the square, no one was going to say anything because I could see them. We'd yeah. set the Legos up there. We'd mm-hmm. set paper and pencil up there. We're like, hey, as long as you're in the square, you know, you're good. You see ya. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like you've given us some good tips too, that if we have those kids that are online, but having some, you know, wiggly kind of movement issues, even if they aren't a student that's working on OT, that they're working on speech, that um, some ideas, do you have any others that can be helpful if we're kind of dealing with that kids that look like they have some high sensory needs and we're trying to work with them on speech? Certainly. And so I've had kids where we've done OT under the bed. And the only rule was that you had to be out far enough so that way you could reach your pencil and your paper. So that's usually, you know, a little bit, they can go under to a little bit above their waist, but they need to be able to prop up on their elbows so that way they can write. And to them, they feel more secure because, you know, they feel like they're in a cave, their lower body is covered, but they're still working on the computer. They're still working on writing. Um, I've had a student where we did OT in the bathroom because it was a smaller space. And so that student felt more comfortable because it wasn't this big open space. And, you know, they weren't hearing like, you know, just echoes and other things in the house. And we practiced, you know, we used soap on the mirror. We used dry erase markers on the mirror. That way they could work on writing on a vertical surface, um, you know, working on writing. And that would be great for, you know, speech as well, because they could work on drawing. Um, They could work on even with their handwriting you know, you get those kids who pronounce the TH sound with an F. So maybe we're going to make a list of TH words versus F words. And I'm going to show you pictures on the computer and you're going to practice writing or you're going to practice drawing the picture that I say, which one starts with the F sound. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you draw that picture on the mirror or you draw that picture on the sidewalk. I've done it outside. If they're school, the, um, parent or the school's Wi-Fi holds up, you can certainly take it outside. Sidewalk chalk, kids love that. They like drawing in sand. They like drawing in dirt. Um, I've done things like that. So that way the kids are getting um, more, you know, sensory input while they're practicing their sessions. Um, Kiddos who have apraxia, I find that if you have apraxia and you're not able to pronounce your words, you probably have it in motor planning issues in Mm -hmm. other parts of your body. So those are going to be the kids, they benefit from yoga, um, you know, or benefits from some other type of motor type activity before they actually work on speech, because, you know, since the tongue is such a smaller muscle, just getting that coordination going with the larger muscles and then working down to um, working on um, just those smaller mouth muscles works um, well for kids who have apraxia when they're trying to work towards that motor planning piece and being able to control their body. I like that. So kind of thinking beyond the desk is a way. (laughs) 
<laughs> I like that. Absolutely. Take advantage of the environment. Absolutely. I had one kid where I told mom, I'm like, if you don't have a problem with being in the mud, I don't have a problem with him being in the mud. <laughs> we were in the backyard. He was digging worms out of, you know, the mud. <laughs> and that was what we did for our fine motor strengthening. And then, you know, we would have paper and pencil out there. Mom would bring a book and we would sit and work on our writing and we would make stories about the worms and we would he'd sit in the hole. And, you know, so you really just, that's what I love about teletherapy is that you can really take advantage of the environment. Whereas if you were seeing your student in a clinic, you might not be able to do it. Or if you were necessarily at that student's house, um, you know, worms are not for everybody. Worms are not for me. So, <laughs> Hey, if I was if when on they the- start eating the worms is, is when I start to check out. <laughs> exactly. So for me, it saves me from being like, oh, no, I've got to touch these worms, you know. Mm-hmm. So teletherapy works, you know, great in that aspect as well. Or you have kids with fragile, um, you know, medical needs. It works nice that you can still work with them. They can still feel like they're connected and but they're still in a safe environment for them. Great. I mean, these. I've, I'm learning so much about OT. I mean, my, I guess my my thoughts about it or my understanding of it was was very limited, to be honest with you. And you've helped me expand uh, my understanding of what OT can be, and and doing that through telepractice, which is exciting. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, there's so much room um, for OT to grow in terms of telepractice that I'm really excited to see where this goes from here. Um, You know, OTs also work in mental health. And so I think the implications for telepractice and OT and mental health, fantastic. um, Elaborate a little bit on that. So, So exactly where do they intersect with the mental health services? So since we're looking at um, things that impede your ability to participate in your daily life activities, Mm -hmm. so like Mm -hmm. work or leisure or social skills, or, you know, just grooming and, you know, all of those self-care type activities, um, if mental health is a barrier to those different types of things, OT is going to help you in terms of finding leisure activities that will help you, you know, de-stress, um, help you acquire social skills and a supportive social network. Um, some people, when they do have mental health, their mental health is so, um, their mental health difficulties are so debilitating that figuring out, just getting out of bed to take a shower is just too much. So they may physically know how to do it, but mentally being able to organize their day in a way that's going to support, okay, well, you have the most energy in the morning. So maybe your shower should be done in the morning. If you're going to get a job, maybe you should take a job that's only morning um, instead of night shift where that messes up, you know, your body's rhythm for sleeping and that can, you know, cause you to be more depressed. So having people, you know, be able to figure out, you know, medication monitoring, you know, that when you're depressed, it's really difficult for you to remember how can we, you know, make sure that you're taking the proper dosage or um, work skills, let's get you back out into the world. Um, Maybe you have schizophrenia, maybe you can wear earbuds, and it looks like you're on the phone talking to someone versus talking to yourself, Um, you know, just really helping them to adapt 
to the environment and to also um, just their internal needs um, with children really working on self-esteem um, and working on acquiring some of those skills because some kids with mental health issues, they haven't had the chance to figure out, well, how would I make myself a sandwich? Um, so maybe you're actually teaching them the actual skill because they haven't acquired that because of their age, but also because of what they're currently going through. And so using a platform like Presence Learning's platform that has so many different things on it, like the rewards, um, and you can do site share, and you can pull up videos, and you have the opportunity to work with children who may have mental health needs, and you're working on job applications or college applications, or you're modeling videos for what it looks like to, um, you know, appropriately respond to a situation when you're anxious or having them play games and just work on a connection. Um, I did actually have um, a teenager. I had several teenagers that I worked with that had um, mental health um, difficulties. And, um, you know, they really loved, I had a particular activity where I did a newsletter. And so they got to decide, you know, what the topic was. And then, you know, they really felt like, wow, like I really know a lot of things like that made them feel good. I know things that other people don't know and other people are interested in this. And then they learned to work together. Um, you know, they had a group meeting, then they had their individual meetings and they were really excited. Like, oh, let me show you. And, oh, we're putting this together because, you know, a couple of them really didn't have any friends. They didn't know how to make friends. You know, they're 15. You don't know how to make friends. Like that's a tough life to, mm-hmm. you know, know you have difficulties, but then not know how to make friends that can support you. So um, yeah, OT and mental health certainly does work outpatient, residential, inpatient, um, you know, care, working on actual work skills. Um, So a wide gamut of different types of things, which would lend itself well to teletherapy. Of course. I think in um, working with teenagers the past couple of years, I am realizing that there is almost no aspects of their lives that mental health doesn't touch because I, there's so many things that they're dealing with and are going on. And I'm, if I just get on and then be like, yeah, I know you're depressed, but we're going to work on articulation. It just, <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So I think, you know, knowing some ways to like help them figure out, like I had a student that couldn't follow is bad at following directions, but she's on the dance team. So I was like, okay, we're going to work on that in you know, in something that's meaningful to you. And even just like, even if it is, well, we still have to get work done. I know you're depressed, like making, checking in with them and making sure, do you have other people that you're talking to, you know, about this? What, what can you do to like make it through your day or what can, what are you good at? I liked how you talked about that. Um, and, you know, just really thinking about what, mental health aspects are keeping my students from succeeding and what they need to do. You're exactly right. And with teletherapy, it actually gives them real life skills because a lot of things are moving online and for them to be able to interact with someone over the computer, they're actually at an advantage because now you see that there's doing a lot of interviews and, you know, big hiring job fairs where they're like, oh, we're going to meet you virtually. Well, if this student's been meeting with you every week and they know I have to click the link, I know I need to at least look business from, you know, the, the waist up (laughs) with my fuzzy slippers on and my yoga pants, but 
hey, they, they, they've got that down. Like they know, oh, I know what this is going to look like on camera. So this is the shirt that I should use. And I know what it, you know, looks like I should still make eye contact, even though I'm on the computer, I should be in a quiet room. So it's really giving them the skills that they um, may need for their future profession. And it's also showing them that, you know, if you have a lot of anxiety or, you know, you just really don't have your social skills just aren't there yet maybe online work is for you. You know, it's not to say that, you know, years ago it would have been, well, how are you going to work? Well, Hey, you know, maybe you should go into a job where it's remote only and you'll be a pro at it because you know how to log in for your meetings, but you also know yourself that if you're at home, you know how to tailor your environment. So that way you're productive. And so that way you're, you know, really showing your skill set versus having to, um, you know, tailor yourself to an actual work environment. So it really does um, set students up like that for the future. That's all. The world is moving even more online. I think COVID certainly pushed us in that direction and Mm -hmm. we're going to have even more, you know, I think going forward. Absolutely. Well, uh, Tasha, so we, we really invited you here for, this last part, you know, all this other stuff we've talked about is okay, but this is what we really wanted to talk to you about. And that is our, what we call our moment of Zen. And so we have 10 questions. We ask all of our guests. We even asked Kristen, you know, we asked, we've asked others and they survived and (laughs) they live to tell about it. Uh, And so these questions you can answer uh, with uh, uh, short answers or long answers or however you want to elaborate. There's okay. no no rules. The only rule is you have to answer. So first question is, what's the most used app on your phone? Oh, my gosh. The most used app on my phone would probably be, oh, that's a really good question. Oh, probably Pandora because I do try to go to the gym five days a week. So I listen to music constantly. But a second one would probably be my Libby app, which is my audiobook Ooh, from the get, library. Get all the, yeah, borrow all the audiobooks. That's good. Yeah, that's so that's, good. I, I think I toggle between the two because I'm always trying to sneak in my book anytime I get a chance to listen. <laughs> so, what's a favorite audiobook? Oh, I just read, so I love sci-fi stuff and I love vampires mm-hmm. and zombies and all those things. I have, I have no use for like regular people in books or, or on TV for that matter. My husband's always like, oh, do you want to watch the show? And I'm like, is it only real people? Exactly. Probably. Even my eight-year-old daughter has caught on. We watch movies every night. She started watching this show where it's like they have this magic cookbook. I'm like, you know what? You are my mm-hmm. kind of girl. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I know. Just add magic. <laughs> yes. I was like, this is fantastic. I was like, you are my girl. You will have me every night for the show <laughs> because I will watch it. It has, you know, different sci-fi. So I just read um, the Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. I think that's the full oh. title. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. And it's because I'm in a book club at work and I thought it was pretty funny that I was like, oh, the Southern book. Oh, they're in a book club too. And they slay vampires. I was like, can it get any better? I love books. I love vampires. So it was, you know, a (laughs) win-win. 
<laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yeah, that's a, that is a win-win. So related. So what was the last TV series you streamed? Ooh, that is a tricky one. Um, I think I just finished watching you <laughs> on Netflix. Yeah. Like I said, he's a regular person, but he's a little nutso. So nutso people fall in the, <laughs> the, the they're good category for me. So yeah, I think I just finished uh, binging that one. <laughs> yeah. We, we, my wife and I just finished that one too. Um, very interesting season. Um so now we're going to get a little deeper. If you could create one law or behavior that everyone had to follow, what would it be? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, hmm. I would have to say, oh gosh, that's a really that's a really good question. One rule or law that everyone had to follow. Oh, that's kind of hard. I, I have I have rules I want people to follow in this house, <laughs> <laughs> but not even everyone does. So right, that, one, right. that one's kind of tricky. Um, I would say that um, if everyone had to follow it, and well, then that means it could be like a national or even an international um, rule. I would say that uh, the rule would be that there are four work days a week, four eight-hour days. So then that means everyone has to have Saturday through Monday as, you know, that, that's law. Unless you, you know, are able to work less than that, good for you. Right. But if you're working Monday through Friday, there's no such thing. It's technically a week that's only Tuesday through Friday. Everyone has a, a three-day weekend. Huh? So exactly. That's, that's great. I like it. Um, who would you like to have dinner with, dead or alive? Oh, Prince. That that's a totally easy one. Prince. That was that was quick. Prince. <laughs> it would be Prince. <laughs> that would be an interesting conversation, I think, for sure. Um, oh, I heard something the other day. Oh. Uh, it was an interview, Eric Clapton, you know, the singer, uh -huh. guitarist, blues guitarist. He was interviewed several years ago and someone was saying, um, you're, you know, you're, you're probably one of the greatest guitarists of all time and all this stuff. He says, no, he says, <laughs> he said, Prince is still alive. So I'm not, I'm not the greatest. <laughs> and people don't realize how good Prince was in terms oh. of a guitarist. Fantastic. You know, I mean, he's fantastic. And phenomenal. so, <laughs> so e Eric Clapton was saying, not me. Don't look at me. Look at Prince. Of course, then, you know, Prince passed away. But so I was just, I thought that was interesting. He, he, he gave him all the props. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's, uh, what's the most exotic place you've been or the farthest place you've been? Um, I would say, most exotic place I lived, maybe, hmm, I've been to several different places. I would say probably the farthest place I've been has been Greece. Um, I would say the most exotic place I've lived is probably Hawaii. Oh, nice. Nice. Yeah. Both are, are exceptional. So that's great. Um, so this next question is made for you, Tasha. So what's the scariest thing you've ever done? 
And you can define scary in any way you want. You know what? I will say that uh, I turned 43 this year and Mm. I did a tough mutter. (laughs) And so Mm. that is an obstacle course race. I feel like at 43, that was a bit scary for me, whereas, which is interesting because in my 20s, um, I was, you know, working for Johns Hopkins and, you know, mm-hmm. my coworkers are like, oh, I'm going to do a triathlon. And I'm like, what's that? And they're like, oh, it's a swim, a bike and a run. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm not a swim. I don't own a bike and I really hate to run, but it sounds fantastic. So I sign up for my first triathlon <laughs> and I'm like, okay, this thing is like three or four months away. I guess I better learn how to swim. So I went and took swim lessons. Wow. Um, my dad took me to the bike shop and my dad's like, Hey, I'll buy you a bike for your race. And I started running and I went and did <laughs> my first triathlon. Oh my goodness. <laughs> but at 43, the tough mutter scared me more because, you know, at that, you know, I was like, what, mid twenties, no kids, not married. Right. Yeah. right. Now he's like, Oh my gosh. Now, now what's our deductible again? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> If I end up in the hospital, how much is it we're going to have to pay for this? Exactly. And I'm, you know, at that time, and with my triathlon, I drove myself two hours to Philadelphia, spent the night, did it by myself because the other, you know, two people dropped out, then drove myself back two hours. And, you know, from, you know, the triathlon, this time I was like telling my husband is like an hour and 15 minutes away. I'm like, so you're driving me, right? You're going to drive, you're going to drive me there make sure you're there at the finish line (laughs) and you're going to drive me home. Right. And then we get in the car and I'm like knocked out the whole entire time. And I'm like, this feels 20 years later. This feels a little different, (laughs) a little different now than it was then. Exactly. I'm I'm totally like, Oh, we got to get a sitter for the kids. And Oh, you know, who's going to make dinner when we get home? Like, I'm sure I'm going to be like, you know, broken. And, you know, I was telling my coworkers, I'm like, it's like squid games. And so I was like, that's what I'm going to go do on Sunday. So if I don't log in, my fingers are broken. That's why. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think if if I was going to do something like that, I've had to have a backpack with the uh, cardiac paddle. So that would just every, every, couple of miles I would just shock myself back to life and, and keep running or something. I, I wouldn't make it. <clears throat> but I, I admire you doing that. But that was that's incredible. Yeah, I have to say it was it it, it definitely at 43 it was a little, little scary. And I've I've done lots of races, but it was something about whoo, okay, we've we're almost in the next age group and yeah. So if, if I get hurt, this, this will really hurt this time. <laughs> <laughs> it might last a while. Um, exactly. <laughs> so just, just so that, you know, our, our number one answer for that question is having children. Oh. The scariest thing is having children. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one of those things where it's like those secrets where, you know, before, you know, before I had kids, and we were, oh, you have kids. That's all. Oh, and they're, you know, they're smiling. But now I realize they were probably like laughing in the back of their head as they're saying that they weren't really like, oh, they were more like, <laughs> oh. <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> it was more one of those things. But, you know, before you have kids, you think they're so happy for me. Really? They're like, <laughs> like look at mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come to the dark side. And especially the parents. 
Yeah. Like, I, I don't think your parents are, I think you're, when you're, you tell your parents they're happy, but probably not for the reason that you think. I think they're happy. Like, Oh yeah. Remember when you were 14? Mm-hmm. Ooh, oh yes. I'm so happy you're having kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're That's happy. Right. They're like, we've been waiting for this day ever since That's you right. were a teenager. <laughs> Payback. <right>? Yes. <laughs> so well, well, I'm, I'm, your answer kind of surprised me because I was thinking maybe you like went to Vlad the Impaler's uh, actual castle and spent the night there and went on a vampire hunt or something. That would be that, fantastic. I, I would have thought that was fun. That would have been like, I know, I know. I thought that, well, I mean, yeah, for you, it wouldn't have been scary. It'd have been just a fun thing to do. Yeah, I'd have been like, this is fantastic. <laughs> You can add that to the next. Next year, that's what you do. Um, so, next question is: What is a what is a pet peeve of yours? Oh, what is a pet peeve? Oh gosh, there's like several little things. Um, I don't know. Let me think of one thing that like really drives me insane. Um, it probably is. I don't know. For some reason, my kids leave doors open around here, and it's and it's not like you know like the bathroom door or something. It's like, you know, we have this, we have the basement and then they come up and they just leave the door open. Or we have like these doors to the laundry room and the door's always open. And I'm like, why are these doors always open? I don't, I don't know why that drives me insane, but for some reason it does. <laughs> well, when, when I was growing up, my parents would say, once you leave the room, turn off the light, close the door. I mean, you're, oh. that, that signals that you're finished in there. And so you're leaving and closing. <laughs> And and my kids will not turn off the light and will not close the doors. And they're and, and my daughter is 27 years old and married now, and she will not turn off lights and close the door still. Well, I'm just making a list because like when my kids get uh, you know, they move out, I'm told I'm coming to their house, I'm opening their doors, <laughs> and when the heat is on, I'm there gonna crack the bottom of their windows and say there I want the fresh air and oh oh yeah I've got like a whole list I'm Good. I'm yeah totally petty like that I have a niece who kept coming and standing on my furniture so I was like oh just wait till I come to your house <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally on your furniture too I'm not taking my shoes off when I come into there your you house you know I think that's another thing that drives me too because I'm like take your shoes off when you get in the house so we all do that here but oh oh yeah wearing my shoes. I'm, I'm all over her couch. I'm, oh yeah. I can't wait till my kids. Yeah. When they move out, I'm, I'm just going to like leave, you know, empty boxes in their pantry and good. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> it's going to be one of those things. Oh, you bought your first house. Oh, I'm so happy for you. But it's going to be one of those where I'm like, yeah, I can't wait to come over. <laughs> You're scheming to, 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 uh, unleash on them right yes exactly (laughs) (laughs) so if you didn't choose your current profession what profession would you like to try oh so that's interesting um i actually was pre-law before i became an ot Mm, um and so long story short i ended up deciding i wanted to be an ot but if i hit the lottery and um I decided that I was not going to do OT or teletherapy or anything anymore. I would actually be a dancer. So um, I love dancing. So that would be, I would just try my hand at belly dancing. Um, My husband, he's retired from the military. So I'm kind of like, darn, I should have went into the military. I could be like that international belly dancer right now. I really could just, (laughs) 
have my retirement check coming in and be like, Hey honey, I'll see you later. You know, bring the kids. I'm performing tonight. So yeah, I, I think that's definitely what I would be doing. I would be a belly dancer. <laughs> that's a new one. That's a new one. Yeah. That's a new one. Um, last question. So last question, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Oh, I would like to hear him say, we have been waiting for you. You are going to make everything so fun around here. Like that's, <laughs> you know, I, I hope he's like, oh, she's hilarious. You know, cause you know, sometimes you think you're hilarious, but you're not. So as my kids can attest, cause I'm like, you're, you're not funny. Okay. I know you think you're being funny, but you're not. So I'm, I'm really hoping um, that when I arrive at heaven, God really does find me amusing and, <laughs> and is like, we have been waiting for you to get here. The party is going to start because you are here. <laughs> That's awesome. That would be awesome. Yeah. Well, Tasha, it's, it's been wonderful having you on uh, the podcast. And if our listeners, someone wants to reach out to Presence Learning, I would assume go to the website, or is there another way that people could maybe contact you or the best way? Yeah, absolutely. So they could either go to the website or they can feel free to email me at uh, tasha.homes at presencelearning.com. And I'm happy to either answer questions or, you know, help to direct them to who can answer whatever questions they may need, they, you know, may have, or to help them gather whatever information they may need. Um, So yeah, certainly can reach out. Well, thank you for being with us. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. That was Tasha Holmes joining us from Presence Learning. And she has really expanded my understanding of occupational therapy. I had no idea that occupational therapists were working with patients that had issues related to mental health. And and so that has greatly expanded my my whole view. So uh, thank you, Tasha, for doing that and, and for joining us. And thank you for joining us on the podcast as well. And list being such a faithful listener of this podcast, don't forget, speaking of presence learning, go to our website, 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com. Go to podcasts and you will see telepractice today. And you will see there on our website, a link for you to leave a comment about Presence Learning and their new platform, Therapy Essentials platform. If you leave me a message, you will be in the running to win a year's subscription to the platform. I mean, a year subscription, how how can you argue with that? That's incredible. Presence Learning very generously is giving us here on the podcast uh, with with Telepractice Today access to a year subscription. So we are giving it away to you guys. So go to the website, 3cdigitalmedianetwork.com, under Podcasts, Telepractice Today. You'll see the link, and please make a comment about Therapy Essentials, and you will be in the running to receive that 
subscription. And we will be picking a winner very, very soon. We are extending this contest another week, and we want you to have a chance to win this one-year subscription. So go to the website, make a comment about Presence Learning's Therapy Essentials platform. That's all you have to do, and you will be entered in the contest. And so thanks again for listening. We'll be back again next week. Until then, be safe and be kind. This has been a production of the 3C Digital Media Network. <laughs>